everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. Everybody, it's Kat, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you? So much going on. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about in this episode. Yeah. Uh, okay, what do you want to talk about first? Well, um, <laughs> so... You know, I'm a big fan of theater, uh, very involved in the arts. Um, I have heard that, yes. Yes, and, uh, you know, I'm on two boards, the Kentucky Theater Association and Kentucky Playwrights Workshop. So I love playwrights and acting and, you know, we write plays. I taught drama. You know, it's just like... It's one of those things I love, but um, there's not a lot of resources here in this area. That is true, yeah. There, there does seem to be a lack of, uh, you know, uh, that sort of thing, I guess. Well, you can imagine my excitement when I heard there is a new playhouse in Corbin. Really? Where is that? Yes. Yeah, so, this is, uh, you know, I kind of feel like in some ways it was my idea, like, <laughs> out to the universe, you know, because I've always said, like, this would be a great idea to, you know, to have a theater troupe to do murder mystery uh, theater. Yes, I recall and, you saying that a while back. It was something that we had actually discussed uh a bit, yes. Yeah, and so now we have a Kentucky Playhouse in Corbin. Yes, you mentioned that. <laughs> Where <And> is... <laughs> they are going to do a murder mystery dinner theater production, and it is based like an 80s theme, which, you know, I also love the 80s. The 80s, hmm. So this would be like... Uh... I guess like a scream type thing, or I mean, how do you, do you know how it's gonna work? Um. Well, I know that Josh Collins has reported that you might faint at some point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fainting, you know. fainting at the mystery dinner theater. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's like, you know, if the person next to you gets killed in this, you know, fake scenario or whatever, but so I mean so I, I, get, probably, I guess there's some audience participation. Yeah, I mean what if they tell me I have to kill you? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> You've threatened it before, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But you know, I, I feel like Instead of fainting, I'd be laughing because, yeah, you know, it is kind of an inside joke. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this I mean, is taking place where? Um... Uh, so at the Kentucky Playhouse in Corbin, and if you, it's on the Falls Road. Um, you know, so you have to like, I don't have the exact. It's in the South Park, uh, which is kind of cute. I always thought. Uh, like a South Park, um, you know, plaza, or I guess. Okay. We should have, you know, like had the exact information and all that, but we can put it, uh, you can find it in our backstory sessions group. So go to Facebook and, you know, we'll get you there. But um, it is this next weekend and the following weekend in August. So, you know, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, have we made plans to go to that? I know we had talked about it, but I wasn't. Yeah, yes, yes, we have, and uh, we are bringing uh, a playwright, Michael Radford, too. So 
you know, we're get, we're trying to actively recruit people to come and like faint with one of us. <laughs> so what what night are we going to be there? Do you... Um, I don't know. I'm thinking that Saturday night, but you know, I don't think we should really tell people because, like, you know, they might bring their cameras in case one of us does faint. <laughs> well, it it would probably be you. <laughs> I don't know. I see myself more as like the one filming a reel about it, you know. Well, yeah, that's true too. So you got to stay, you got to stay conscious for that, I guess. So yeah, so you're either going to be the murderer or the murderee, and I'm going to film it. So all right, so that's next weekend and the weekend after at yes, at the Kentucky Play House. <laughs> okay. All right, so, uh, yeah, uh, well, that sounds interesting. Um, I'll look forward well, to Well, just shout out to Corbin for doing something in the arts, you know. Uh, I think it's great. And as I mentioned, Josh Collins from our own Josh Collins in Barberville. Um, he is, I don't know exactly what he is in this, but uh, he's in it. I know that much. So. He's, he's acting in it, is that correct? He definitely is. Okay. So. All right, cool. Yeah. So that ought to be interesting. So, it's just the beginning, you know. It's the beginning of great things in the arts, and I'm so happy. I could not be happier about that. All right. Well, what else oh, is... Oh, and I have to mention, like, you get the three-course dinner, too, and guess what you get? <coughs> I don't know lasagna all right awesome <laughs> that'll be good like if you remember garfield and the cat yeah yeah cat lasagna Love. got it uh, yeah so <laughs> you know i'm thinking it's like i did send this out to the universe and yes well the not, signs are there that's all i'm saying not only do you get a mystery dinner theater you get lasagna exactly so all right yeah. Uh, it's $45. That is the price. But that's a bargain, really, when you think about all you're getting. That's true. Okay. So what else is going on? What else are we... Uh, well, you know, that that's the big things in the arts. Obviously, we've got uh, horrific flooding taking place in the state of Kentucky. And, um, you know, our hearts, of course, go out to... Um, those areas that have been affected because you know a lot of communities have lost everything schools and you know homes and lives um it's just yeah i think think last i think last i heard there are 26 people who had died in the flooding and still some unaccounted for And, and i mean people were just like on rooftops and everything you know, waiting for somebody to come rescue them. So it's definitely like the worst flooding situation in my lifetime in Kentucky. So uh, really, I I will say, though, that um, I don't know if it's happening in Berea, but I'm I'm sure it is because I've seen like statewide, you know, people are really coming together and uh, there's all kinds of drop-off places that you can, you know, take water and can like uh, you know donate things items that they need like just you know every like if you lost everything think about you know what the things you would need and that's what you can donate to help people sure yeah uh i know there are a lot of people who are mobilizing to help those people who are affected by the floods and uh uh, I've actually even gotten a couple calls from people outside of Kentucky who were interested in, uh, you know, they were just checking up on me because they don't know where I live in relation to where the flooding takes place. So they called us or, you know, messaged me to see if I was okay and that sort of thing. So, well, um, I, I have noticed like a, a few creative things um, that people are doing. So, and again, this is like the good side of humanity, you know, like when 
disaster strikes and people come together. It's just a really a beautiful thing, I think, to see that. But um, like the arena um, in Corbin, if you um, want free tickets, you know, because they have a lot of uh, artists that come there, musicians, right. such. And so they have listed, like, if you want tickets for this concert, you know, you donate, you know, X, Y, Z. Uh, and so you can get two free tickets to a show just for, you know, doing a humanitarian thing. And I, I think that's a really creative idea. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I saw Grateful Ed's here in Barberville. Um, like, they're preparing, I believe it's 2,000 meals you know, of their pulled pork and, and all of that stuff that you can get at Grateful Ed. They're like making 2,000 meals to take there. Um, so it's just, you know, people are are just helping out in so many different ways. And um, Yeah, it's nice to see that. It's going to take a long time to rebuild, but yeah, I mean, I haven't seen, like, I know it's been raining here off and on quite a bit, and uh, I haven't seen whether the flooding has stopped or if it's, like, still continuing, or I don't know what the status is of that. I'll have to check that out and see. Yeah, um, I mean, it seemed like from the photos and stuff of the people, you know, I used to teach in that area, so. Um, yeah, I remember you saying that. know a lot of my former students live there and but you know I, I it does look like a lot of the water has receded I know we're getting more rain but I don't think it's anything like you know that was just yeah or I mean out of nowhere it's like right I remember like, saying they got like or I remember hearing that they got like two to five inches in a very short amount of time and it created a lot of flash flooding, and that's where some of the issues stemmed from, or actually all of the issues stemmed from, I guess. Roads yeah. washed out and that sort of thing. Well, you know, so, uh, again, there's all kinds of resources, places to get involved. So I, I'm really proud of Kentucky and the communities for coming together um, in such a terrible time. All right. Uh, anything else that we need to mention? I mean, I, I think those are two things that have been on my mind and heart. So uh, I think it also leads in well to our episode this week. And what is our episode this week, Kat? Yeah, so we have a heartwarming story. And you know how your parents used to say to you, like, you know, when they're going to spank you, maybe, or whatever, or punish you in some way, like, you know, this is, hurts me more than it does you. Sure. Uh, you know, and you, of course, when you're a child, you're thinking like, yeah, sure it does. <laughs> you know, but, I mean, then when you're a parent, you kind of see that when your child is hurting in any way um you know it really does have a profound effect on you sure uh, i'm sure it does i mean uh you know nobody wants to see their child suffer so no and really i think you know so most parents would would rather uh, whatever happened to them than their child like if they could trade places that's just like how parents love um, you know their children right and in this case um, so our guest this week we're going to speak with the father uh, Matt Hammett and he is the father of this extraordinary young man uh, named Bowen Hammett um, and he was born uh, well we'll hear more about the condition he was born with in the interview um, but with that condition like a lot of children don't live beyond their fifth birthday mm. 
Uh, so you can just imagine like what impact that might have on you. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I can't imagine actually. <laughs> I I mean, it's the worst nightmare, right? Yeah. To, to think something, you know, would take your child away and especially at an early age. So, um, the, the, you know, the heartwarming part is that he's beating the odds. Um, and he's so talented. Like, he, you know, his dad is very talented. And uh, now you've got uh, Bowen, who writes songs and sings and performs. And he's just, like, he's a beautiful child. Hmm, beautiful cool. young child. Yeah. Yeah, I look forward to finding out what this is all about. Yeah, and, you know, the mom, Sarah, she wasn't able to uh, be with us for the interview. But, um, you know, I can't to hear. Like, I've got so many questions. Yeah, I'm sure. All right, we will get into that in a minute. But first, you want to say hello to some of our listeners? Okay. So, you know, uh, I have been, um, you said, using the easy countries, uh, and then last, <laughs> you know, we went to Russian, uh, but I'm trying to say hello to, you know, a different language each week, so that, um, because we do have a lot of listeners around the world, or that speak other languages than English. Yes, and at, I, at, last, I, at last count, it was... Uh... 51 countries, I believe. And that, you know, that's a lot. Um, so I feel like that just saying hi to them, um, you know, is just a little something that, that I'm trying to do. And um, this week, it's Italian is the language that, I'm, that I've chosen. Okay, is it going to be Latin or is it going to be like Italian? Italian. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that there's a difference. Though. I mean, I'm sure there is, but like, you know, the old Latin is probably different than Italian, I would guess. Well, I, I'm saying that just because to me it sounds like, you know, it's like a little bit modern. Um, but, you know, ciao. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so, so that can also be used as goodbye, can it not? It can, and also I've heard it. Um, I've heard it as food, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> bow down. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is close to dinner time here, so. Yeah, but a little bit different spelling, you know, not to confuse people. It is not spelled C H O W. Right. Yeah. In Italian. So, anyways, ciao to everyone out there who speaks Italian. If you have some Italian friends, you know. Try it out, say ciao to them, and, you know, maybe enjoy some chow later. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's get into this episode and find out what's happening with Bowen and his family. All right. Let's do it. Matt, I want to welcome you today to Backstory Sessions. Uh, I am so excited to uh, talk about this documentary, Bowen's Heart, and also, uh, I mean, this is an incredible journey that you and your family have been on, so I'm really uh, excited for the listeners to get to share that with us today. Thank you, Kat. appreciate you having me on. So I, I guess we should kind of begin at the beginning. Um you had two children uh, before um, Bowen, and you find out um, you're going to have a third child. As I understand it, you were hoping for a boy. Is that is that right? Yeah. You know, since we had had our two girls, as you mentioned, um, Emmy and Claire, we kind of were at a point where we were definitely hoping that we would have a have a boy in the family and so it was a big deal you know we took so i mean clara too we're, we're hoping for that so it was a big deal when we found out um that we were having our third and then also finding out that he was a boy the girls were pretty excited 
Oh, I can imagine. And so the the pregnancy is going along pretty much like expected, like it did with the other two. Um, does that continue until uh, at birth, or when do you find out? Yeah. So crazy enough, you know, the same day that we found out Bone was a boy, that um, <clears throat> we actually. Um, found out that same day that he only had half a heart. And so it was a really bittersweet day for us and for the girls. You know, they got the little brother they were dreaming of, but also we found out that he may or may not survive. And so really at 20 weeks, you know, we started, that would have been in April of 2010. And then until September um, when he was due, we really just had a lot of different meetings with different specialists and doctors kind of preparing us for what life was going to look like with a child with this kind of heart disease. And so they told us before he was even born that he'd have to have two major open heart surgeries within the first six months of his life. And then there would be at least one more um, to kind of finish the repair. And so we didn't, weren't sure exactly when that one was going to be. And, you know, that's kind of the crux of, of this story for us is kind of making that decision we had put off that third surgery for several years because he was doing fairly well on his second surgery and we put it off a little longer than some other people would um and like i said there's no there was no real time frame you had to do it but we were starting to become caught in that tension of wanting to wait but knowing that it was time and uh just making that difficult decision and walking through that as a family so I'm trying to go back and imagine that bittersweet day. Um, so I'm assuming they tell you it's a boy first, um, the good news. Um, but how then, you know, how do they break that other news to you? Like, it seems like yeah. such a heartbreaking thing to have to do. Yeah. So um, the ultrasound tech actually we could tell something was kind of wrong because she kept fishing around and she had a really difficult time finding the heartbeat. And so we kind of started getting a sense that something wasn't quite right. Um, and then she told us that, you know, the ROB was going to come in and talk to us. Who's actually a dear friend of ours. And she actually really was, you could tell that she was on the verge of tears even when she walked in the room and she just sat down and very, very lovingly, just said hey you know i have some some hard news and she was so gracious with us about it but yeah i can't imagine being a doctor and having delivered to deliver that kind of news especially to people that you know and you love she had delivered our both our other babies and um, we're family friends with them and so it was hard but we wouldn't have had anybody else do it it was it was just you know graced us that it was her Right. Um, and so this is hypoplastic left heart syndrome. Um, yes. Did you know anything about that at that point? Yeah. So we'd never heard of that before. You know, we were like, it's, it was such a strange name even, you know, and um, yes, short HLHS. Um, but yes, hypoplastic left heart syndrome, just like you said. And uh, you know, I started studying what, what that really meant. And, um, you know, as I mentioned uh, before, it's just half of a heart basically formed. So he had an entire ventricle that did not develop at all. And we were shocked to find out that they could even repair that, you know, that a child can live with half of a heart. And, you know, it is very rare. It's like one out of every 4,000, I think. Uh, you know, cases are, are hypoplastic left heart, but um, it's, it's, uh, gosh, I, you know, it's, it's really a miracle to look at these procedures that these surgeons um, have developed to be able to elongate the lives of these children. And, and so we're, as we learned about it, we, we got more hope because we saw that there were a lot of kids with it who were actually living with a good quality of life. And there were some that weren't, which was hard, but, you know, we did our best to kind of, as you know, cling, cling to the hope, but be realistic. So it was a hard journey. So I, um, I, I think I saw some statistics of like 30 to 50% uh, don't make it till their fifth birthday. Yeah, that's right. 
is that from the surgeries um, just not working long term or is that during the surgery that the things happen? Yeah. So like, you know, there's several um, situations there. There's uh, there's complications with the first two surgeries. Sometimes, you know, maybe the kids aren't can't even really qualify to have their second one because the first one doesn't go well. Um, some of them just die from cardiac arrest. And then others, you know, develop some conditions. One of them is called PLE, which is uh, protein losing neuropathy, which basically they can't digest uh, food and such properly. And there's just some things that come along with some of these surgeries. So there's always a chance that these kids develop, um, you know, other sicknesses as a result. So, yeah, it could be a variety of things, but yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot that they'll make it to five years old. And so we, that was actually a real, a real milestone for us when we made it past that point. It was just like, okay, you know what, we're, we're moving forward and it's given us more, more faith to run on. So were you scared with the delivery? I, I mean, did you, do they immediately like after being born have to be taken for the surgery or how did that work? Yeah. So basically after Bowen was born, they did have to take him to be evaluated pretty much right away. So that was the hardest part for Sarah, you know, was the fact that she like just gave birth and then they, you know, she only got to hold him for just moments and then they took him away. And so we did get to go up for a few days and be with him while he was waiting for his first surgery. So really even harder, you know, than handing him over after birth. The, the really hard part was handing him over on his fifth day of life uh, to the surgeons for his first open heart surgery. That, that was extremely difficult. Well, I can imagine. Um, so what did the surgeons tell you about um, the prognosis? Yeah, so when they came back from his first open heart surgery, they had a few issues that they were concerned about, but they, they thought everything would kind of stabilize. But that first night, we actually got a call um, at our room, you know, because at that time, we actually couldn't stay overnight uh, and sleep in his room at U of M. And, and since they've actually changed, updated the hospital to where you can, which is wonderful. Um, but we had to go back and get a little sleep. And they called us at 2.13 a.m. I'll never forget that time and told us that Bowen um, had gone into cardiac arrest and that they'd started compressions and we went to his room and I mean, I, it was really, I, I saw like it was amazing. They even let us be there because it was, it was rough. They had taken the patch off of his chest. So it was wide open and they were just pumping his heart. Literally it was a nurse's pumping his heart with her fingers to keep him alive. Wow. Um, and you know, after 45 minutes of that, they pulled us into another room and we told, we thought he was gone. And I just collapsed because for me, I had, held out hope that he would survive, you know, and, and I kind of felt like me being strong as a dad was gonna, I don't know, like, I, I just felt like I had to be strong. And so I just, I kind of just collapsed into that moment of realizing like, well, maybe, you know, maybe this isn't going to work out the way I had hoped. And, um, but that night, somehow in the midst of all that, after they pulled us away, they were able to get him on life support and revive him. And, talk about a pendulum swing of emotion from like thinking you've lost your son or your child to now they're telling us he's stable. And so that was kind of led into four months of being in the hospital with him just recovering from all that. And gosh, that was probably the hardest four to five months of our lives, just being in the hospital, trying to balance being parents to two other kids and, you know, with work and just, trying to be there for Bowen, it was, it was extremely difficult. And the grief, you know, really tears, tears at you and being in a marriage and, and, and it's really hard, you know, 80, there's some studies that say up to 80% of marriages that have kids with chronically uh, or chronic or chronically ill experience divorce. And, and we understand why it's really difficult. So that was part of our passion too, behind making the film was, you know, we had experienced so much tearing at our, at our at our marriage and just 
through grief and grieving separately and differently that once the third surgery came around, he's a little older, we had learned how to use our grief to bring us together instead of tear us apart. And we felt we learned how to do that with our whole family and, and make these trials something that could, could bond us um, instead of break us. And so, you know, that was a big reason we wanted to make the film is because we wanted to show people like, hey, this is how it affects kids. This is how it affects your marriage. This is what people, you know, this is what you're going to go through, uh, you know, if, if you have this issue or maybe you know somebody who's going through this issue. And hopefully seeing this film can kind of bring some awareness to that, to bring some compassion, um, but also let people know that they're not alone. And we made it and they can make it too. Yeah, and I imagine that uh, many people, uh, even if it's not a hard issue for their child, as you were saying, you know, chronically ill um, children, um, a lot of families will um, find what you're talking about, um, of just having to deal with that and the impact it might have on the whole family. Um, your daughters, how, how did they cope with all of this? Yeah, you know, it's hard um, for them being big sisters, wanting to nurture their brother and not always knowing how. I think just kind of feeling helpless like the rest of us, you know, that was really difficult. And so, um, but overall, man, they were, they were, we created a space, safe space for them to be able to talk about it and a safe space for them to be able to express their feelings or hard feelings and let them just grieve and let it be okay and not try to have to fix it. Um, and so I've kind of seen them develop that same attitude around it and be willing to really process it openly with us. And that's been a real gift for us. Well, you know, I love his name, Bowen, and I, I had not heard the name before, but um, how, how did you come up with that? Is there like a story behind it? Yeah, when I was looking, uh, Sarah and I were looking for names, I saw Bowen, and one of the meanings that we found um, was small, victorious one. And I thought that was so cool, because it was like, okay, well, he has a small heart, but we were just trusting that his story would be a victory, regardless of what happens, because we would try to use it to help others. And so that's where Bowen came from. Oh, awesome. Um, so you ended up writing a song, um, and All of Me, I guess is the title. Yep. Uh, so were you a songwriter already? Yeah, so I spent 20 years in a band called Sanctus Real that was with Capital Christian Music Group. And so I had my whole life have been writing songs. I joined the band when I was 16. We started it with my friends. We signed a record deal um, in, in 2000, which I was 20 at the time, um, or 21. And I toured for, I toured for 16 years with that band. Um, but, you know, when, when Bowen was sick and we were waiting for him to be born, I definitely used that, that gift of music as a way for me to process. So um, I wrote an album called, my first solo album actually called Every Falling Tear. And it was just me processing the grief from the moment we found out to the moment he was born. And the main song on that, All of Me, that was the single, was a song about, um, you know, being willing to give my heart to something that could break it. You know, can I, can I start there? It's like, how do I love this child and not build a wall uh, to protect myself from the pain if I lose them? And that's yeah, a really hard thing to do. I noticed, like I uh, noted that first line, afraid to love something that could break. Um, yeah. How did you manage to not put that wall up because of fear that, you know, he he would be gone and you would be heartbroken then. Yeah, I mean, honestly, for me, you know, a person of faith, and for me, it was a lot of just asking God to help me, a lot of prayer, a lot of like reflection, a lot of thinking um, about, you know, just uh, is that the gift that I have received? You know, that that kind of love, and I feel, and it has been, and so I'm like, you know. I wanted to give 
him that same love and I wanted to be able to love him unconditionally. You know, as a Christian, that's what I believe. I believe in unconditional love. And I wanted to act that out and I wanted to live that out. And, you know, sometimes faith comes with just having to take a step forward, even when you don't know how. And so that's kind of the way that I think I, I handle it even today is like, you know, I mean, so many things in our lives can be broken. And, I, and I've come to even look at it, not just as a parent, but even in marriage and go, gosh, you know, marriage is hard. Family is hard. So many things are hard. But can I keep choosing every single day to give my heart to something that's difficult, you know, even though it could break over and over again? And You know, for me, by God's grace, I, I keep answering yes. And I pray that I still have the strength to do that tomorrow. Were you ever um, angry with God or? Um... Yeah, <laughs> I did feel that sometimes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's all the hard questions, you know, the whys that people answer. And at the end of the day, I've really come to, I guess, embrace the mystery of why. You know, there's there's a few things I think, you know, I've come to find a few answers here and there. Um, or at least have premonitions about the answers here and there uh, as to why this, some of these things have happened in our lives and the outcome and some of the good that it's actually led to despite the pain. But, um, you know, regardless, it's produced, uh, you know, there, there's actually a, a verse in the book of Romans that talks about suffering, producing perseverance, character, and hope. And I can definitely say as a family, we've developed more perseverance, more character, and more hope through all this. Yeah. Um... I think faith sometimes is easier when things are going well. Yes. Uh, but maybe you need it more when things are not going well. Yeah, that's right. It's um, really, I, I just can't imagine. But I guess I, I'm curious, like, as time goes on, uh, you know, and then Bowen is more like a you know, like a person with his own uh, personality and habits and he's growing and doing well, uh, making that five-year-old milestone. Yeah. Does it, do you then start to like let the walls down some and think, okay, you know, I think this is going to be okay. Yeah, you definitely do. We've kind of got to that point now where we've got to the point where like, we're not always thinking about it. You know, we realize like, okay, he's made these three surgeries. He's had a couple of years now where things have been going really well. And it's been a big gift because we're finally going, okay, life is starting to feel a little more normal. So how do you describe Bowen at this point? Uh, he's 11? Yeah. Yeah. So Bowen's 11 years old. He's doing fantastic. He loves life. He's pursuing music as well. You know, he's a little songwriter and performer as well. And yeah. um and, you know, you can see some of that in the film, but he, he is, he just loves life. He's an inspiration to me and so many and continues to be. Well, he's so handsome too. Um, <laughs> he is, he is. You know, just amazing. Um, so what are some of his hobbies and activities? What does he like? I know music, um, I mean, yeah. one of those. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's, you know, he does. He loves music. He loves to play basketball. He loves to hang out with his friends. Um, he loves to go to the trampoline park, loves to swim, just all the kid stuff, you know. He's, he's living, like, his best life right now in the summer, that's for sure. <laughs> so the, um, the documentary, um, you've told us a little bit about uh, the reasons that you wanted to make it. But what was involved? Like, how long did this process take from the time that um, you decided, you know, we're going to do this? Uh, what kind of take us through that process? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, late 2018 is, you know, when Sarah reached out to Lexi and Zach Reed and, um, you know, just told them what we wanted to do. And so, after we scheduled the surgery, you know, we kind of got in line with them, um, you know, because they were still at NBC doing documentary work for them at the time. And so it was really neat because we were able to just uh, not only partner with great producers who worked with the major network, um, but also Lexi had lost a child to heart disease. And so they understood our story. And, you know, really, 
we told them the same and I'll tell you, you know, that we just really did feel like sharing our story. Um, really does. We just knew that it would help people feel less alone. And so we just had that, uh, that desire to kind of really show firsthand, you know, what these families are going or what we've been through and, and help other families are going through the same things. Um, you know, and how that grief can, can help us come together instead of tear us apart. And so, you know, um, for us, uh, it was about uh, only about a two to three month process of them shooting with us. We basically had them in our home uh, for a few weeks out of that time, in and out at different times that we thought were kind of crucial to the story. And so it really wasn't too crazy. But the one part that was a little uh, interesting for us was having the cameras follow us into the hospital. That was a little hard, you know, because it was such a sensitive time. We didn't know if Bowen was even going to survive. And there's nobody else we'd rather have there, you know, than people who've been through it themselves, of course. But even just the idea of filming um, was hard to know, you know, when it was appropriate, when we wanted the cameras and didn't want the cameras. And, and Zach and Lexi were very sensitive to that themselves. So they made that process so much easier for us. Um, but overall in all, you know, we, then edited the documentary, uh, Zach Reed edited, and we kind of spoke into that process as a family as well um, for a few months. And we actually were finished with the documentary by early 2020. And so it was about a year long process from beginning to end of seeing it through. So um, did, was there discussion about if something did go wrong with the surgery? Uh, how that would be handled yeah we did um you know we going into it we had conversations with zach and lexi about how we would deal with that um and and, and we just kind of said hey if that happens we'll kind of make a decision at that point on, on what we do i mean chances are we probably right away at least wouldn't have wanted to really do, do anything with it at that moment we probably would have wanted to wait a while and see to see but you know we knew it was a possibility and so we tried, did try to have those conversations as delicately as possible uh, not knowing how things would turn out um, and they were for that they were they were 100% on board with knowing that things could, could take a turn and that we might have to pause production you know well uh, luckily of course that, that did not turn out to be the ending and um I guess uh, since this is taking place, you know, at the current time, uh, at least when you're filming, um, are there videos and things like that that you had from early on? Do we see like from start, like from the birth on? Oh yeah. His life. Yeah, there's there's footage. Yeah, all throughout, um, kind of the story setting at the beginning of the doc uh, from the time that he was born. Um, actually, actually have footage of him right after he was born and wow. all throughout his journey uh, from, you know, we should show every little clips of every piece of his life from birth all the way up to the surgery. And so you do get to see a lot of that old home video as part of it. And, and I got to really give Sarah credit for that. You know, she's always been so, uh, I guess consistent on like making sure we take pictures and video and you know, it's easy to gripe like, Oh, let's take another picture, take another video. <laughs> and you know, she's got <laughs> these boxes and boxes. What are we going to do with all this? You know? And then here we go. We're making this documentary and it's like, wow, we were able to pull it all out and it like came in. So it was so useful to us. It's so beautiful to have that as part of the storytelling. So I know that you talked about, like the impact it could have on a couple um how or do we see um in the documentary how you dealt with everything versus how sarah dealt with everything do we see that tension or um... yeah yeah we, we we talk about that and and we we really address some of the ways yeah that i kind of dealt 
with processing. Um, you know, I was very like I'm an artist, so I write and you know write music and a blog and I need I need that time to process um, creatively. And then also too, you know, I just I was trying to engage there at the time to every once in a while, you know, for even if it was 20 minutes or 30 minutes, step away from the chaos of the hospital room or the bedside and take a take a walk or get some fresh air for a moment. Whereas she just wanted to be at his bedside 24 hours a day. And she saw it kind of like, you know, for me, I, I felt like I was kind of like losing my wife, even though she was caring for our child and I was too but I was trying to get that time and she felt kind of like, can you understand that this right now is my calling and I, I have to invest it in this and it's selfish, you know, for you to want me to step away. And so like both, both feelings have this merit to it, you know, and, and both of us would have done you know, in hindsight and we did learn by the third surgery, you know, how to respect each other's grieving, but also like, love each other and are grieving in the way that the other needed to be loved, not just the way that we wanted to be loved. And so we kind of learned that rhythm, but it took us a lot of time. And it was important for us to talk about that in the film because we know how many families are going through that same season that we were once in, where they haven't learned how to find the rhythm in grief and in the pain. And hopefully saying that, hey, we work to find this rhythm and now we are able to have a healthy marriage, um, actually be stronger because of it instead of be torn apart. I think it was really important for us to show people what that looked like for us. Uh, so um, in the music video with Bowen, uh, does he, does he write, did he write the song that we see him performing with the other children? Yeah. Yeah. Safe right here. You know, we helped them just a little bit here and there, fill in a lyric or two, you know, and tweak a couple little things. But overall, like Bowen wrote almost all the words and wrote all the melodies. And we just I was shocked at how it just kind of poured out of him, you know, and it was, it was neat to get him in with some producers. We, we took him in with a, a couple actually Grammy Award winning producers who just were, were friends of ours, who um, worked with him. Um, you know, my life again has been music. And so we knew, knew how, to, how to make it happen in the studio. And, and he just was popped right in there like a natural. And it turned out just wonderful. Uh, do you feel that talent comes from you? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I guess I'm sure that being around music his entire life and touring with me over the course of the years and you know being on the road at times with dad on stage and performing and then at the house i'm always writing and recording music and producing things so i definitely i do uh i definitely have had a big impact on that but i think naturally too he is he is just a musical kid a creative kid and so i'm just happy that I can sew in what I can, you know, to him in that way um, and watch him grow in that, foster it. It's been, it's just been neat. You know, it's like there's a new rock star in the family and I'm a hundred percent okay with that. He can, he can take the mantle. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you feel like um, this journey has taught you about life or, you know, just in general, what have you learned? Well, gosh, so much, you know, um, you know, we talked before about that perseverance and character and even the hope that comes from our trials. And I do think it's molded us as a family. It's taught me if I could maybe say, you know, one thing that really stands out to me would be just the ability to slow down and remember to take in the good moments in life and be more grateful for the moments I have that have peace and serenity and, you know, just 
maybe, maybe I breathe a little deeper, <laughs> you know, and, and, and feel more grateful. So maybe gratitude. Um, so what do you see next for Bowen? He's, he's um, made a documentary now. He's got a song and a video. Um, you know, what's next? Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, we've always told Bowen, Hey, if you want to share your story, you can, if you ever, if you ever, you know, want, want to tell mom and dad, Hey, I'm not comfortable with sharing my story this way, or, or with you guys sharing my story in a certain way or whatever, like we've always said, you have that, that, that ability to tell us and be honest with us. Um, you know, even he comes with me and, and sings on stage with me all the time at these events I do. And I always tell him, I was like, buddy, anytime you don't want to go on stage or you're not comfortable, you know, you don't have to. But he is like fully on board, which is really cool. Like he loves to share his story. He loves to sing. He loves to just be out there with people. And so I think in the future, I, I do. I hope he continues to be an inspiration to other um, kids with heart disease. As he gets older, I hope that Maybe he can be something of a role model to younger kids who are going through it to show them how to be courageous, to show them how to share their story and, and help others through it. And so I do see him doing that already, but just naturally by the way that he is. And I hope that continues. I think, I think it will. So if people want to see Bowen's heart, um, it's available in all streaming platforms. Yeah, so people can watch it. Amazon, Google, uh, Tubi has it for free with ads. You can watch it for free there, which is a, a great spot to see it. And then and wherever you rent movie, wherever you rent or buy movies, um, you can pretty much find it. And then it'll come to DirecTV and In Demand and the Roku channel here over the next couple months. Um, but it just actually went live on Amazon today. I don't know why they were lagging a little bit. Uh, so they finally got it up. So Amazon as well. But yeah, uh, if people want to find more information on Bowen and get an actual link to where they can watch it, they can just go to bowensheart.com. Thank you so much. Appreciate you and uh, both of you for having me on and letting us share a story. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to cat at iwriteplays at outlook.com. Or you can write to me at backstorysessions at gmail.com or matt at level11ventures.com. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.